Should I stop it? I don't know how to stop these things. I, I just love so, like, the upward inflection at the end. It's like, good, goodbye. Is, is it the We're end? We're going to listen to the next one now, so it's fine. It's not the end. It's not the end. Should I end it? <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to press to stop. Hello, welcome to another episode of A Glass of Seawater. Today we will be discussing something a little bit less hard sciencey, and we'll instead be discussing the day in the life of a typical PhD student. So today we have Helen. Okay, so I'm Helen and I'm working in low temperature plasma, so I'm kind of quite a long way away from the fusion side of things. Um, and I don't really know what fusion is, but that's fine. So I work uh, jointly between uh, the plasma department and biology. So I'm working on using low temperature plasmas for biomedical applications, in particular wound healing. So for people who have wounds that don't heal for a long time, trying to find new treatments, and one of those is um, low temperature plasmas. And I am in the final year of my PhD now, so I'm starting to write up, supposedly, Mm -hmm. and we'll be submitting at the end of September, which is worryingly soon. (laughs) (laughs) It goes really, really fast. We have Sam. Yeah, so I'm Sam. I'm a third year PhD student, um, and I work on the diagnostic on MAST, um, so the diagnostic is the emotional stark effect diagnostic, um, and I look at emission from plasmas, which tell us things about the magnetic field structure, um, and try and optimise the magnetic field so that we can get good confined plasmas. We have Chen Chen. Uh, hello, I'm Chen Chen. Uh, I'm a third year PhD student. Um, I'm doing fast particle simulation um, and to look at alpha wave instability inside of master spheric torque mark. And I am Emma. I am the first year student here. And as such, I haven't actually done that much PhD research as of yet. But when I get started, I'll be looking at the use of nanostructured targets in very intense laser plasma interactions. It sounds pretty extreme and hopefully... We'll get some good stuff out of that. But yeah, it's only been going for a few weeks, so we'll see. It'd be quite good to go through a brief day in the life summary, as it were, because there can be the conception that PhD student life is just like normal student life. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe it is. Let's find out. I think we probably all have fairly different days, right? Depending Mm on if you're a first year and you work. Do you work? uh, Helen, do you work mostly in a lab or? Uh, So mine's really varied. So I do... I do both the plasma side, so I do quite a lot of plasma modelling and also plasma diagnostics with the low temperature in the labs here. But I also do a load of biological work as well, so I work in the biology labs. You know, I have like cells growing and do various different biological assays with them as well. Yeah, so some days are sitting at a computer doing all of the modelling and sort of bits and pieces like that, and then other days are full on in the lab. So it's quite good fun because it's so varied. That's cool. You have to do a bit of everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it might be a little bit different for me and Chan Chan because we work at a government lab, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so most of the time we're sort of like, wait, well, I'm waiting for like machines to run. Um, so I spend a lot of time programming. Waiting yeah, waiting yeah. for that. Yeah, but me, uh, for me, I'm mainly doing um, simulation work. So if the machine is not running, um, which is not quite affect me because I just use all data. What about you, Emma? Since you've been doing like talk mm. courses and I guess that might be more like the traditional kind of student experience when you're still doing the uh, courses at York. Yeah, so with the CDT, you kind of do this six month talk module aspect and it's basically just like going back to university. Like it's exactly <laughs> the same. You just do the lectures and the modules, the coursework, 
all that shebang and not actually that much PhD stuff, I guess. So that bit is actually just finished for me. And at this point, it's like I've just started the project. So it's just a lot of reading. Like there is so much reading. It's just seeing what people have learned before, seeing what's new. Won't be going on an experiment for a while. So the closest I'm going to get to an experiment, I guess, is running simulations to try and model what would happen when I finally get round to it. But yeah, it's a bit dry at the moment. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Interesting, but yeah, it's just a lot of reading. I feel like the reading never really stops though. Yeah, you you kind of just, know. you start collecting more and more papers thinking, oh yeah, I'll read that. That looks really good. And then your Mendeley is just like full of 50 papers that you still yeah. got to read. And you remember you read something somewhere a long time ago, but you can't remember where it was. Like, I really need that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where it was. <laughs> and my supervisor's always like, oh, well, if you just keep them in your backpack, then you'll, you know, get the knowledge yeah. via osmosis. So. <laughs> yeah, backpack, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> So how much time do you actually think you get to spend working on your project, as it were, and not getting distracted by little side jobs or fixing things that have gone wrong? How much are you actually doing productive stuff, would you say? I think for the third year, is we are quite uh, spend quite a lot of time on just projects. But, but before that, like, uh, the second year, we do um, a club trip project, which we uh, spend quite a amount of time uh, abroad uh, to maybe um, separate project from your main PhD topic. And so that will take quite a lot of time to um, draw up your proposal and also to apply the fundings. Um, that will take a lot of time. But now, currently, the third year, I'm mainly doing the project work. I feel like you should be kind to yourself, though, in your first in your first year, because you think, oh, God, like, I've really got to get some results. or like really got to get something big. But actually, you just spend the whole year like learning how to do stuff. And maybe, yeah, maybe code is broken. You kind of have to fix it. But it's all really good for you because then you, you really know how that code works or you really know that technique in the lab or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have heard from various people that the first year is a lot of learning from your mistakes. Definitely. actually getting stuff, which is... Mm, it's nice that you're going to learn stuff, but it's also quite sad to think that most of the things that you do aren't going to work. It's a bit <laughs> depressing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. You all seem to kind of know what you're doing a little bit by this. Because, yeah, you're all like third, fourth year, aren't you? So... You yeah. see him with it anyway. Well, you're certainly faking it well. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you still have plenty of things that don't work mm. yeah. by the end, like getting towards the end and things don't work, but it just gets more stressful that things don't work. Mm. <laughs> or you kind of like... But it's, get, it's still good. You kind of get skills where you're like, oh, okay, so this thing isn't going to work, but I can probably do like this little bit and maybe add something like onto the end of that. And then that kind of like fixes a problem or you're like, oh, maybe this wasn't as big of a problem as I thought in the first mm. place and we can get something useful out of it. So even if something doesn't work, like it doesn't really matter because there's probably still something like good in there mm. for you to kind of write up or put in your yeah. thesis at least. Is it what you expected when you first signed up for this? Obviously, it's been a few years to get settled in. If you can remember that pre-PhD life. I don't know. It's it's a really cool way of being able to sort of drive your own research. You know, you can do your own thing. You're very free to do what you want during your PhD, I think. It's not like anybody's telling you what to do or that kind of thing. So changing from undergraduate to postgraduate, I think that's the biggest difference that I think of. For, for me I just didn't realize just how much traveling we do like I can't believe the amount of places that I've seen in the past like 18 months when before that I had pretty much never really left the country that much <laughs> and then you know you're going to like conferences all over the world and like meeting all these people and 
I think that's one of my favorite things about it. Sorry, that's not very like an academic reason why it's not (laughs) what I expected. But that for me was like, wow, I can't believe that we get to do that. Yeah, that's um, yeah. I got to conference is kind of a part of my PhD life, I guess. And also, we all uh, do travel a lot when we just start our PhD to do different modules, have diff- at different cities, which I think is a good good chance for me because I'm I'm I just came to the UK just a few um, about two and a half years ago. So this will give me a large opportunity to see different places and just across the UK or across uh, Europe, which I really appreciate that. How do you find working in research or like working as a PhD student here in comparison to when you worked? Uh, well, do you want to say you were China? Yeah, I, yeah, I did my uh, master degree in China, which is, I feel is quite similar to what I did here. Um, there's no too much difference. Basically, you do your project, then you, when you got any problems, you, um, you will discuss with your supervisors or, or turn up to other colleagues you're working with. So it's basically, yeah, I find it's quite similar. It's no too much differences. Yeah, it's a good point about the conferences, actually. I think that's something that you don't realize students get to do as much. You kind of have this vision that it's just the staff and established researchers like no actually a lot of it's quite student driven as well which is really nice so yeah since we mentioned conferences is there anything else that you get up to that maybe isn't necessarily project related but is quite interesting to do I guess more like side things I really enjoyed getting into all the outreach stuff Mm. I wasn't sure about it at first because I thought I wasn't very like much of a like mentor or like working with kids, I thought, oh, I, I'm not really sure I want to do that. And then I did this thing for the, um, I don't know whether you heard of the Fun Palaces. And it was like this yeah. kind of global scheme for like um, community driven events for like local communities and stuff like that. So I was like, right, well, I'll go back home to in Stockton and do this like event with these kids in care. And we set up like the Sundome for them and like virtual reality goggles so they could like fly through space and stuff. And like, so the kids were just like, that's absolutely amazing. Like, <laughs> cause they never get the opportunity to like see anything like that. And knowing that you made a difference to some kid or they thought, oh, well, I really like space. That's cool. Like maybe I'll learn more about that in school or just give them a good time is, is something that I really enjoy doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely outreach is a really cool thing to be able to get involved with. Um, through biology in fact I was doing quite a lot and we had a event called zombies in York which was it was great fun so we had basically an old shop mannequin of a body that we sort of cut open and made out of play-doh loads of different organs so we had like a liver and lungs and all sorts of stuff shoved it all in this mannequin and then we did a live zombie dissection in York in the library um for a load of kids and they had to learn all about infectious disease and all of this kind of stuff it was so much fun and it was you know we had yards of intestine that was that honestly <laughs> sounds horrifying wrapped in cling film <laughs> but it was really good fun actually and um, yeah the kids loved it but I think outreach is really cool to be able to go out and you know tell people about the cool stuff that you do and talking to a, like a wide range of people about what you do is really cool I'm just imagining all these kids like ripping like guts and intestines out of this mannequin and anyone if they get walked past it just be like what the hell is going on? Yeah Yeah, the library was a little concerned about the um, listed wooden floors when we were turning up with all that fake blood we were like oh loads of fake blood and they were like no. Outreach. No, but outreach, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 education purpose. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, also, I think it's quite good um, for developing your communication skill. Like last last week, mm-hmm. I went to um, a conference in Loughborough, so 
I was presenting my poster, and there are people from different area. They come, they came to me and just、um, want me to explain my poster, just like you are talking to a kids.、Uh, so it's if you can explain your stuff to a kids, you can explain it to every everybody. So it's really, I think it's really good for、um, how you develop your your. Uh, presentation and that kind of skill you can、mm-hmm. develop from that.、Yeah. I always find kids always asking you the hardest questions. Yeah, the hardest、well. question.、Mm-hmm. Their genuine interest to some stuff, which is sometimes really, really <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you have some like crazy biology words as well. Yeah, it's quite fun sometimes when you're presenting biology to physicists. That's you get some good questions from that as well. Or the other thing I find is, as the biologist, I kind of feel it's my duty to show gory pictures because <laughs>、yeah. I sort of like the gory pictures.、Um, but it turns out、uh, physicists aren't so keen sometimes on these things, and you find you're giving a talk and people disappear inside their hoodies when they don't like the gory pictures. And <laughs> you realise you ought to maybe turn them down for next time. <laughs> I'm not sure anything particularly bad.、Mm. Kids are really、scared. good with that stuff, though. Yeah, they? kids、really、are fine. Yeah, yeah. It's other PhD students I found there less <laughs> tolerant, <laughs> <laughs> a bit more squeamish. Yeah, definitely. So you all mentioned the kind of benefits of outreach, like for example, your communication, trying to explain your research to people. That can be a really, really good skill that you develop through doing this. Is there any other skills that you've Perhaps developed through doing your PhD, whether it's through outreach or anything else that you've really noticed, you've gotten like a lot better at over the years. I I, I didn't realise just how much programming I was going to do, and I、mm-hmm. I hated programming at undergrad. <laughs> like they they made us do this Python module, and I was like, oh god, I hate this. I just I just want to be in a lab and like you know put things together and、mm-hmm. do electronics or do stuff like that. I don't want to sit and code. And I always like you know was completely resistant to learning programming, and then and then came to the PhD, and then it was like. You've got to do a ton of programming, so I was like, "Well, I better <laughs> better start <laughs> better start learning properly." Yeah, yeah, but that that's definitely one of the skills that I've picked up. Like, so, how do、most. you find find out about programming now?、Um, you, I, I like it when it works. <laughs> no, I, I I find it's like、uh, really useful, and it's a really useful skill to have. And sort of like pick up lots of information from like everyone else around you in the office because you'll just be like, "Hey, has anyone you know done this, solved this problem before? Have you had this problem before?" And then someone's like, "Oh yeah, I I was working on that like two weeks ago." And like, here's a you know way that you could solve it. And like, I like that aspect of it. And when you write something that's like clean or like pretty looking code, <laughs> if that makes sense,、yeah. and you make like like really nice looking graphs or something, you're like, "Yeah, I'm、oh, proud. Yeah. I'm proud of that graph." Yeah. yeah. And it's especially if somebody say really fancy your work, and they came to you and ask you how do you produce that beautiful grab, and you can show them by just by clicking that button, and it will generate it automatically. <laughs> so proud of yourself! Yeah, that's the moment you want to get. Yeah. Oh, I guess in like learning how to read other people's code as well. That's a pretty big skill that we've picked up because <laughs> you you often like, especially I guess at our government lab, though、yeah. you you like inherit a lot of stuff because people have been working on this for like ages, or maybe the diagnostic was like made by someone else and they had all these analysis routines, but they're in some really old language. Well, let's not say old, but yeah, you're trying like, to figure out how they think yeah, about the problem. Yeah, and it's maybe a language, a programming language you've never used before, and then you have to kind of like learn how to read it and figure out what it's doing and stuff. Yeah, I think you learn a lot as well. Just learning how to do things, you know, different experiments or how to write properly, and how to all the different skills that sort of seem maybe a bit less exciting but really useful. You don't notice that you're 
me picking up me having to do all of these things yeah i guess learning everything (laughs) (laughs) learning how to improvise as well yes it's probably a big one whereas like at undergrad everything is very like rigid and restricted and but this is like a oh i need to have a light source for in in my lab i better go just get some wire like solder an led to it and just like stick it on the battery (laughs) (laughs) sweet i've got my lab my light source now Yeah, learn how to use what you've got. So there are things that you learn from a PhD, but it's kind of a bit of a a give and take situation that your supervisor has to have someone good to work with. And there might be some skills that are useful to have going in that can make the process a lot easier for both parties. Are there any skills that you'd recommend people had or kind of developed before going into such a role? I think you have to have a lot of determination because there'll be lots of points in a PhD where things maybe aren't going as you planned, but there's always stuff that you can build on top of that. And you sort of gain that confidence in yourself as well as you go along, because you might think, oh, I've got this idea to do something. And probably in your first year, when you first start, you're like, oh, I don't really know enough about this to be able to say this is going to work. But I think being able to be confident in yourself is probably a really, really good skill. And being enthusiastic as well about what you want to do. Because if you go in enthusiastic, it makes like getting started a lot easier I think if yeah you're really keen on what you're doing <laughs> yeah and also ability to deal with uh how to handling your upside how to handling your pressure especially when you're facing a lot of stressful work how would you deal with that kind of problem so definitely think, yeah. having making sure you can have a work-life balance. yeah make sure yourself can get through yeah. over everything you're not just uh freaking out <laughs> maybe one of the preconceptions people have of like phd students or stuff is that they're like kind of hold away in some room and like they're 24 7 are doing work but yeah that's just su- super unhealthy and it's not it's not yeah. actually the case like <laughs> just we, dealing with stress is really important yeah and, and i think we work probably like we go into work at well, I say work, but it is like a job to us because at the, at the lab we go in at nine and we leave at like five or six or, you know, maybe if yeah. we're in the zone, then we might leave at 6.30 or yeah. if there's a deadline or something, maybe work a little bit later. But it's not like a, we're not working 24-7. Yeah, the whole concept of a PhD can be quite daunting, I guess. This kind of level of expertise that you're expected to have is quite, especially when you first start out, it's scary. It's a lot. <laughs> you also realise how little you know. Like, you think, oh, yeah, this is whatever, yeah, I know it all. No, no, you realise you know nothing. So, yeah, I can imagine, <laughs> yeah, the kind of confidence, enthusiasm, being able to kind of keep calm and keep that balance must be really, really useful because, yeah, I can imagine it's quite easy to get snowed under with it all and just completely overwhelmed. I find the scientific community on Twitter is also absolutely fantastic. Like, I just follow, like, yeah. loads of other PhD students doing, like, random stuff in, like, astrophysics or, like, biophysics and all this, all these other <laughs> subjects. And they all have the same, like, you know, worries and problems and, like, successes that you do. So it's really nice to communicate with more mm-hmm. people like you and have that support. I guess having a support system is, like, a really good thing to have when you're doing a PhD. Yeah, I think you can often get that from your lab group as well, like, your lab group we- you kind of get close to all of these people who are all doing a similar thing. Mm. Yeah, um, definitely. We definitely have that with the CDT as well. But between cohorts and stuff, like you're yeah. going through at the same like rate as like you know for our years about twenty five of us. Yeah. Um. So there's always someone to be like, you know, oh, you know, my my thing's not working. Can we just go for a coffee or can we just like take some time out? And and always having that 
support structure is really nice. Yeah, that's really really friendly uh, environment developing in in this CDT um, program. So like there's like traditional PhDs where maybe you work for like three three and a half years in a university with a with a specific group, but this like center for doctoral training or CDT is where they have like intakes and we do like lecture courses and and then sort of go on from there. I guess. I mean, since this is the Gas of Seawater Fusion podcast. The factor on this fusion CDT, what's special about it compared to a different PhD? So for example, the facilities like you see at a government lab. Yeah, like we have access to the world's largest tokamak. In two weeks time, I'll be working on the joint European tourist jet um, in Oxford, um, which is the world's largest fusion machine, which is amazing. And having access to these like facilities is something really, really special. So you're both at the same lab, aren't you? So I guess you both have the same. Like, what's special about researching fusion? I think working for fusion energy is quite uh, quite a good thing to do. Because um, from my undergrads, I'm always trying to do something about about cleaning energy, cleaning, um, trying to deal with the energy crisis and stuff like that. And so after... Uh, have a thought like this so that's how I uh, went into the uh, future area and so I always want to so some people say we are we need we need to do something to save our earth to save our planet so it's basically just to people human being how human being to save our human being itself also including other creatures on this planet so yeah, this is what basically I always want to uh, contribute myself to to it. So that's why I chose this career. Uh, also, it it will have a. Uh, so I will try to uh, express this express this concept, this kind of energy to um, the people surrounding me, and to help um, to let more people to uh, understand why is this more important. This is a quite important thing to do. You guys are all in your third slash fourth years moving forwards. Must be on your mind somewhat. Um, uh, no, <laughs> please don't remind us. <laughs> Just a gentle reminder. When you're looking at next steps after your PhD, are you looking to get a job in fusion? Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully I will stay in the fusion community, uh, stay in academia and to carry on uh, the work I'm doing. Um, also, it's will... Uh, it will depend on the project is going on, um, but I I genuinely genuinely hope I can stay in in this area. Yeah, I'm I'm trying not to think about the job hunting too much until I finish. Really, so I've applied for like a couple of things and realised how much time it actually takes up to write proposals or whatever mm-hmm. for trying to stay in academia and that sort of thing. And I just realised it just takes too much time for what I've got left to do for my PhD to get written up and all of that kind of thing. So I'm kind of trying to leave it a bit. I don't it know, sounds really. like I'm trying not to think about it. Sounds like <laughs> a good plan it's too, to be honest. It's a bit too, <laughs> too close yeah. for comfort at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, and a lot of these like academic fellowships are like really competitive, and then yeah. and they require, as you say, like a lot of time to put into yeah to apply to all of these. So it's quite difficult to think about in tandem with writing the thesis I guess yeah definitely yeah. It, it becomes kind of a bit full <laughs> life sort <laughs> yeah. of ends up just becoming work at that time and, yeah. yeah and I think it's like so hearing from other people like, who went into industry and stuff we kind of think oh well we could just go into academia and do what we're currently doing but but also we have gained like 
a ridiculous skill set, which is really broad and vast, even though we're working on something really small. Mm. Um, so there's probably tons of avenues for us to sort of go down or pursue if we wanted to that we sort of haven't really thought about or might not be like right you know in front of your vision when you start looking for a job and saying like oh you know plasma physicists required somewhere like are there any <laughs> jobs in this but and, uh, and there was a guy who spoke to us um and he was a laser plasma physicist i think and then he designed like some system to sit on a robot in manchester to look yeah. at like nuclear yeah. inside nuclear buildings and stuff and we 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 have this like you know wider skill set than i think we realize that we do yeah so industry might be also a good place to look it's not just like not everyone will go on the acad- academic route i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah. yeah there's a lot of options i think yeah yeah are you looking forward to finishing your phd yes and no so it would be quite nice to be written up and finished but also I've really enjoyed my PhD, so I don't really want it to end because he's sort of going off into the unknown. Um, so yeah, I'd quite like to start again. <laughs> well, <if laughs> Just it, perpetually doing imagine, PhD forever. <laughs> you imagine starting though, knowing what you know at the end. Yeah, if you could go back and start again after finishing so cool. one. Yeah. It would be so much more efficient. <laughs> Would you do that? Would you do another PhD? Do you think? Oh God, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, if you give you a second choice, would you do your PhD? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I, 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 I would. love doing. Yeah. I love doing it, but it's yeah. kind of like you. You end up with a kind of like a love hate relationship with it, where if things aren't working, you're like, no, I hate this, and then things are starting working, and you're getting something new, and you're like, oh yeah, I love this. This is great. <laughs> and I'm hoping by the end of it, you finish on that. Like, I'm, I love this, and. I'm really proud of myself for putting yeah. this work in. Yeah, I think um, while it was about um, my undergrad uh, age, I always want to go out to see uh, different places, to see different people. Um, so uh, that's why I study abroad here. Um, so uh, also I want to experience different culture. Um, so doing PhD gives me, me this opportunity and to do that. Yeah, if I'm given another choice, I will definitely choose to do my PhD. Yeah, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> that's a nice message to end on. No regrets. Yeah, it's quite really. It's quite a relief to hear that you've all enjoyed your time. You don't regret it. Recommend the PhD. So, yes. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to our guests. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Been my our pleasure. My pleasure, our pleasure. Definitely our pleasure. Definitely our pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) It has been our pleasure, so until next time, goodbye. That was a great episode. That was a really fun episode. I learnt so much. Same. So I think uh, for our many listeners, we would really appreciate if you subscribe to our podcast on whatever app you're listening on. Yeah, and check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just search A Glass of Seawater and we'll come right up. Finally, just uh, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful. That would really help us. It greatly increases the visibility of the podcast, probably more than anything else. And tell all your friends and enemies. That was a really good episode. I enjoyed it and I learned a lot. See you next time for the next glass of seawater. Bye.